But there's just some great turnarounds, incredible turnarounds in people's lives. And we thank God for that. We've got just a few minutes before we conclude our service by literally one after another baptizing those people that have confessed their faith this morning. And I want to turn you to a very well-known couple of verses right at the end of Matthew's gospel. Uh, If we can get them on the screen, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Right at the end of the good news book of Matthew, Jesus says, All authority is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because he has given authority to his church, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. We're not at the end of the age. And frankly, friends, I don't want to spend time trying to work out when it's going to be. We know it's coming, but in the meantime, there's work to do. And the work to do is to go into the earth and make disciples that will be followers of Jesus. And in these moments that we've got, I want to just talk for a moment about the essential of baptism. The essential, you see, we can make too little of it or we can sort of make it too much of it in the sense that we raise a standard where you say, well, you've got to wait, you've got to wait, you've got to wait, you've got to wait. People got baptized on the same day in the Bible. But the reality is, friends, as we've even done this journey over this last week, I am more than ever convinced that baptism lies at the very heart of Christian discipleship. And I'll come back to it in a moment or two. These verses here in Matthew <clears throat> come at the end of Wonderful expressions of Jesus' ministry that Christian alluded to earlier. It is known uh, by Bible commentators as the Great Commission. A mandate from Jesus before he went from this earth to go back to his Father and giving us the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside, to enable us to mission to the earth. So we believe in missioning to Wilkiston, we believe in missioning to Mansfield, we believe in missioning up the M1 corridor. But actually, as John Wesley said all those years ago, the earth is our parish. And so we connect with people in other nations. We're glad when people from our church go to other nations because the mandate is all of the earth. That's why we're an outward-facing church. And a church that seeks to be outward-facing runs to not the great commission, but the great omission. And the reality is, friends, it's death by a thousand services. Because when new people stop coming in, When the mission of the church ceases, you actually cease to be a church. It just becomes a gathering group that perpetuates religion. And we don't want to go there. It's a mandate from Jesus. And notice it's not just for decisions, but disciples. Go and make disciples. The New Testament word for disciple means to be a learner. To be one that continually receives. Jesus said, you're my disciples. When you hear what I say and put it into action. Here's the words of the date of the late Dallas Willard, a great Bible uh, professor that went to be with his Jesus last year. And you'll need just to think about it. But Willard says that a disciple is anyone whose ultimate goal is to live as Jesus would live if he were in their place. So tomorrow, being a disciple is it's as if Jesus was in your office. Wow. You might say, well, I'm on a bit of a journey. As long as you're on a journey. As long as you're on a journey. It's for us, friends, to increasingly become like him. I'll come to this later, but there is an unmistakable and indeed inextricable link between discipleship and baptism. It cannot be be cut. 
So let me mention three things about baptism briefly. Number one, the contest for baptism. If you've been around church, you'll know that over a 2,000 year history, the church is over 2,000 years old. This ordinance, this command alongside breaking about baptism has often brought some contention, some disagreement. There are those that believe that baptism is by aspersion, sprinkling. This church, this Christian church, believes that baptism is by immersion, not sprinkling but submerging. Or somebody said to me this week, 21st century Duncan, that'll do. We don't say that arrogantly, but we do say it assuredly, friends. This is what we believe, and this is why we're doing it. There are many reasons, and you certainly don't want me to go there this morning, as to why this contest has evolved. But the New Testament word for baptism in the original language is baptizo. It means to plunge, to submerge. And in the New Testament, when there was a full record or account of baptism, there was always a lot of water around. One translation says, much water. There seems to have been much water around this tank over the last couple of days, but we won't go there. But the fact is, friends, we need a lot of water. The contest for baptism. You see, in this church, we don't see baptism as a confession for faith ahead. But as you've heard this morning, we see it as a confession from faith. Jesus Christ coming into people's lives and changing them. Taking all of their brokenness, their ruinness, their disenchantment. You've heard all of it this morning. It's not for it, it's from it. Secondly, friends, the cost of baptism. In the Middle Ages of our nation, in the Middle Ages of our nation, there were many things that were taking change in laws that have impacted upon Christianity and religion. And around the 15th, 16th, and 17th centuries, there were groups of people that emerged that were called nonconformists. In other words, they said that we don't want to be part of state church. They, they, they had a passion, friends, they had a radical desire to return to a restoration of God's expression for his purposes in the earth. And one of the things they ran to, interestingly, was baptism by full immersion. Baptism by full immersion. In fact, those moves became the beginnings of what we would call the Baptist church denomination that is around the world today. The people in authority didn't like this. These nonconformists became known as dissenters. And in 1661, there was an act of parliament called the Corporation Act that says, if you preach outside of us giving you permission, guess what? You're going to prison. And if you don't believe me, some of you will have heard of John Bunyan. And John Bunyan went to prison in Bedford for 12 years. They gave him a few weeks off in the middle. And it's there that he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, one of the great allegorical Christian stories of all time. I say all this, friends, because baptism is built upon a cost. Some of those people in those days, not only were in prison for their faith, they lost their life for the course of the faith. And this morning, if you're a believer on the journey, you say, well, you know, what's my mates going to think? What's my parents going to think? What's so-and-so going to think? Nobody's bothered, friends, in that sense, because God's saying to you this morning, you need to appreciate the next step for you is to build upon the foundation of fathers and mothers that have gone before at a huge cost and step in to what God has called you to do and to do it thankfully. And the third thing is the commandment of baptism. It is an imperative. Be baptized. It's an imperative that's spoken with urgency and conviction 
that requires an intentional response. So we've put it out at church. We've not coerced anybody. We've not, we've not strangled him. I wasn't behind that car crash, honest. You know, it, you know to get Mikey to come in the back, and he's such a tall guy as well. Wasn't that a miracle? The roof comes down. The guy goes, incredible. But the reality is that over the last three or four weeks, as we built towards today, people have felt in their heart a need to respond to the next step. You see, disciples get baptized. And they've responded to the Lord. They've made an intentional response to the imperative command of being baptized. And as I close, three more things. that This morning speaks about the 2nd of February 2014, Baptism on Sunday here in Arena Church. Number one, it speaks to the past. It speaks to the past. You see, however good or indifferent we've been, we've all sinned. And every one of those stories have been fantastic this morning. And I include the stories of people that said, I was brought up in a Christian home. and I've been part of a Christian church, but I realized that I needed Jesus. And now I'm getting baptized. And I salute Christian parents this morning that have laid a foundation into their kids that have said, I want to follow Jesus. That's a fantastic story. That they can be avoiding some stuff rather than being delivered from it. And thank you this morning for working those things through, for believing in them for sowing into them, because that is amazing. It could be that. People won't mind me saying, not that there's going to be any details, but there's been some colorful stories that have been represented this morning as well. But everybody's got a past. And baptism speaks to it today. And as Christian and Josh in a moment baptize the people, they will be submerged, baptized into the water. And the Bible says that we are burying the past. We are burying our sin it is a burial service. Thank God, not literally, but, but figuratively. It's leaving the past behind and saying that we're living in the newness of God's uh, life. Will the past, will the old life come to bite us at times? Of course it will. Read Ephesians 4 and 5 if you want any convincing. But every time we reckon it dead, it can't do us any harm. And there is something significant about doing today. And I believe that every person that's going to get baptized is going to have less of a problem with the past in doing that this morning. It speaks to the past, but it also speaks to the present. You see, God's doing something today. I come across lots of people who say, well, I, I think God's shot it. I think the Christian church is, is finished. Really? I, I, I could blitz you this morning. I refrain because of time. Of giving your friends amazing statistics of what Jesus Christ is doing in the earth today. He is changing nations today. He is planting churches today. He is gathering thousands today. And friends, right across the world today, we've got 14, but you can put a few zeros about that, of people getting baptized today. You see, the baptism speaks into the fact of the resurrection life of Jesus that he's still changing people and the glorious destiny of the church. And I plead with you today, particularly if you're a visitor, if you felt cynical about the church, if you felt that we've put across a wrong uh, uh, expression of the church, I'm speaking generally now, if somehow you've been hurt by people's attitudes in the past, please don't allow that to stop you to moving into what God's got for you right in the present. Baptism speaks into what the Lord's doing. And finally, it speaks into the future. You see, a year of strengthening, that is the prophetic momentum that we are enjoying at Arena Church, strengthening in all sorts of areas. Last Sunday night, there was a prophetic word that came 
to Arena Mansfield about preparing the way of the Lord. And I believe something significant is happening this morning. I felt God say to me this week, in my spirit, quietly in my spirit, Phil, if you're believing, along with Christian, for many disciples, why am I going to give you more if the disciples in the church are saying no? And I want to congratulate the yes of 14 people this morning because you are bringing a strengthening to this church at this very moment. And we can believe for loads of other disciples to come on behind you because when God sees the yes, he'll give a few more people that need to get saved and come to a place of saying the yes. And so the whole thing becomes strengthened. The yes of baptism, friends, is amazingly significant in these days. It's releasing something in the heavenlies. The lid is off for baptism in Arena Church. And we're believing for many more disciples to come and follow him. And that could be you. You see, the future's bright. Not because it's orange, but because it's Jesus. Let's pray.